Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the 369th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patron Autumn Harmon. Yet again. Thanks, Autumn. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got director Britt McAdams on the show. He's got a new film out called Paint, starring Owen Wilson, Michaela Watkins, Stephen Root, Ciara Renee, and Wendy McClendon Covey. It's a pretty cool cast, man. I saw the movie. You didn't see the movie. It's really fun. It's got a weird tone. This conversation with Britt, I was just constantly thinking, man, I can't wait to go watch this movie. It's nice when one of us has seen the film and the other hasn't because like... That way we can both speak to the specifics of the film, but also be in the seat of the uh, listener at home who likely hasn't seen the film yet and will hopefully be inspired to see it. Right. And right now the movie is out. So it's either in theaters or uh, streaming somewhere. So look it up. Paint the movie. Uh, It's an indie film, but, you know, with a studio level cast. I mean, Owen Wilson is pretty awesome lead actor to have. And it's a real character piece. And it's, it's a comedy. It's funny. And, you know, we have a variety of guests on the show. Some of them are our friends that like to be on. Some are our friends that don't really like to be on, but they do us a favor. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have a lot of people we don't know, like Brit. And, you know, sometimes... You know, they just answer questions and it's good. And sometimes it seems like they really had a good time. <laughs> and I feel mm-hmm. like Britt, we had a pretty long conversation with him because he's funny. We made a lot of jokes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how mm-hmm. many our editor Noah is going to cut out. <laughs> we were having some fun. Just, just you know, making some some goof arounds. I think the reason that we were both uh, excited about having him on the show is not only is the movie cool, but also felt like there was some shared DNA in terms of history coming up in the world of viral videos and comedy. He's got a Comedy Central background. He directed for Tosh.0. So just kind of like a shared world. And, you know, you kind of started around the same time we started 15, 20 years ago, just doing like YouTube stuff, (laughs) kind of at the dawn of YouTube. So. Uh, I guess one spoiler I'm going to give is that he wrote Paint 13 years ago and it just came out in theaters mm-hmm. this week. So just talk about perseverance and, you know, the highs and lows of a directing career, which I'm just reminded of every single day. One of the big uh, overriding themes of the show, uh, as we've been doing it for many years at this point, is that a career is a marathon and that it's easy to lose sight of 
what you were excited about with a project or why you wrote it in the first place. And so I think this is a really great and frankly, pretty introspective uh, conversation about what it takes to get a film made. I left feeling really inspired and also like you said, we had a great time. Would you say that this conversation with Britt made you more excited about making your film or less excited? I would say more excited. Look, at the end of the day, we're all still filmmakers who still just have to like whether you have a movie in theaters or, you know, you've struck out six pitches in a row. You still have to like wake up and pitch again and and write the new next screenplay it doesn't matter right like you're still kind of back to square one in a certain sense of like staring at a blank page no matter what or or you know uh, maybe a blank email in the sense that like this is our lives and we the only choice is to either continue to create or to pursue something else I think there's something kind of beautiful in that and, and knowing that and being excited by it. To me, it also is just like, oh, it's so tiring. <laughs> I'm so tired. Yeah, sure. Life is tiring. Uh, Life is like tiring. just the trek to make a movie and then to know, like you said, <laughs> you have to do it all over again once the movie's out. Yeah. But what's the alternative? The alternative is like a job job, you know? Anyway, before we talk to Brit, I want to remind people we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. It's where you can support this podcast. You feel like you're getting anything out of this. You feel like we're asking the questions that you're wondering. And I think in this episode, we really do kind of hit the brakes quite a lot and say like, how'd you get that agent? How'd you get that meeting? What'd you say? We're trying to literally dissect success <laughs> for filmmakers mm-hmm. and in the film industry. Mm-hmm. And if you appreciate that at all, you know, check out our patreon.com or our Patreon page at patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. If you don't appreciate it, email us, just shoot a pod at gmail.com and tell us what we, what you would prefer us to do. Uh, we love to hear from our listeners. If you sign up at the $20 level on the Patreon page, we will send you a hat. You will force us to get new hat designs because I believe I just mailed out our final hat to Autumn Harmon. Check it out. Patreon.com slash just shoot a pun. All right. Well, without further delay, let's talk to Britt McAdams after perhaps a word from our sponsor. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, hey, Britt McAdams. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Thanks for venturing all the way over here in LA traffic to sit at your computer. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Congrats on the movie. It came out almost a week ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And in theaters, was that always the plan to have your movie be theatrical? Like it's an indie film, right? Like originally? Yeah. I mean, the, the plan was always to have it, you know, sweep the Oscars and, uh, you know, the, just the basic plan, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, this is the beginning of the whisper campaign is what you're saying. Bro. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The whisper campaign. I mean, the hope is always theatrical. It's a comedy. So the reality is probably not theatrical. You know, it's, I don't think the last, the last decade has not been kind to comedy. So, you know, anything, I think, you know, managing expectations the whole way is just sort of part of it. So that we, you know, have, been in theaters is pretty great. Um, all things considered, cause it's, you know, you just want to get it made. You just want it, you just want it to exist. You know, I think so often there, and especially, you know, having been out here in LA and my wife is an actor and friends. And so there's just, and you see people who, who are successful or have stuff hit and they're so oftentimes not any different than anyone else. So, um, and, and you know, the people who, who just doesn't things fall apart for, and it just doesn't happen. And, and you yeah, know, those people. people are just, yeah, exactly. And, and look, those people are just as good as anyone else, but like for whatever reason, stuff fell through and they had kids and had to support the kids and got practical and, you know, stopped or left or whatever. So I, I just have an appreciation for, I, you know, just that it made. is so, so yeah. wide right well, now. It's, it's just, I'm, I'm realizing now we that you said that. one-year-olds. So yeah. yeah. Orin has a, an older daughter as well, but we both have relatively new kids. And, no, but. And, uh, <laughs> and hear what you're saying, Britt. <laughs> yeah, I literally just now realized that the last year of Just Shoot It has been about how do you make a living uh, and stay creative while you have a kid and a family and a house and all these other things that are require you to pay for them like no matter what you want to work on yeah it's really hard i mean my my wife is more successful than me which is super helpful um she's half of uh, a comedy team called i mom so hard so that was a pretty crazy thing because she's uh, an age i'm not allowed to say we were sort of both and this is maybe six years ago now we were both in a place where like the the movie that we'll talk about i, I wrote 13 years ago and it Got greenlit a couple of weeks after I wrote it for twenty two and a half million. No way. This is in two thousand ten. Hold and on. So I set had... the stage for us, though. What in, <laughs> in two thousand ten? What other movies are coming out? Right, because I think your point about like uh, the theater not being especially kind to comedies in the last in recent memory uh, hits hard to for both of us. But in two thousand ten, like the that hangover wasn't the case. years, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, like we're talking Apatow comedy heyday, right? 
and, yeah, and Will Ferrell. I mean, hangover. sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and that's kind of the last big comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the other guys are like there are other things in there, but in terms of like, you know, zeitgeisty comedies, it's The Hangover, and then there are other ones that are still doing well. You've got Will Ferrell stuff, and you've got other stuff doing well, but and then Melissa McCarthy, and but it really just dies. I mean, certainly over the last. 10 years anyway, since 2013. I mean, how many big comedies have there been? So it was a different time. And at that point, had you directed Tosh.0 and kind of like, was your name floating around Hollywood as a comedy director? Oh, for sure. You know, uh, A-list, uh, top, uh, you know, just the first call for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's no, where but you I was. were directing no, for Comedy I mean, Central. Yeah, yeah. You're doing, I mean, Tosh.0 is Definitely like a cultural touch point for like so many people. It was a weird time because I had done Cat Williams, American Hustle, the movie, which is the full name, which is the full title of that film. Mm-hmm. And Cat mm-hmm. was huge. Cat had mm-hmm. just gotten, he had gotten the Chappelle Comedy Central deal. I think I was going to, he asked me to work on with him. So I, that was going to be, my life was kind of doing that with him. It feels like, and I don't want to overstep, but he said, when I talked to him about it, he's like, what are we going to do about it? And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know. I didn't anticipate us doing anything. And, and he like, and I don't, I really don't want to overstate that because it's, it was, that's so long ago. And I love Kat. I mean, Kat is a flat out genius, but I don't want to overstep in terms of overstating where I would have been in that process. But it was like, that was, and Kat was just huge at the time. He was the number nine touring act in the country. And U2 was number one. It was one guy in a mm-hmm. microphone and that's how big he was. So it was that, that whole deal sort of went away with him there. And then I did Tosh while I was directing Tosh. I wrote this movie paint and then paint got onto the blacklist in 2010, which is a list of sort of highly regarded unproduced screenplays. And it sort of snuck its way onto that. And then, and had you written features before or sold features or anything? No, I had sold a show to Comedy Central. I, I'm trying to think of what else. I sold a show to VH1 a long time ago. My Comedy Central show got picked up and I danced on the beach in Santa Monica. I was like, I couldn't believe it that they had bought my show. And um, it was about, um, it's called Walk-Ons. It was about Walk-Ons on a college football team. And mm-hmm. um, that was, that was, I didn't know it, but at the same time, uh, Spike had picked up Blue Mountain State. Mm-hmm. Comedy Central mm-hmm. didn't realize that. And they were the same. It was Viacom. Corporate so then, overlord. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And then they yeah. were like, oh, we can't do this show because it would be competition with this Blue Mountain State. So they were really nice. I mean, they paid me, but that was it. But also, and the crazy thing, it was when I was dancing on the beach, when my agent told me how much money I was going to make. <laughs> so because he was, I think it was. I think it was 15,000 for the script and then 15,000 to executive produce it. And I was like, that's going to take six months or eight. Like, I was like, I can't afford to sell this show. <laughs> like, I was like, I can't, I can't afford that. Like, it was such a funny moment. I was, cause I was dancing on the beach. I was dancing, like just and an like, absolute wait, ass. Wait, you were what? like kicking kids' oh, sandcastles. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I was just like, here we you're go. Like, Fuck <laughs> you, money. Yeah, rock and roll. And then it was like, <laughs> yeah. and then when he said that, I was like, but is that? And he's like, it's, their numbers are always low. And it was like that. I was like, but so, and then. You know, it's just that of like, I know how hard mm-hmm. it's, this is going to be. Like, it was such a funny moment. So, yeah, Paint MRC came on board. I had like a 15 minute long meeting with them. Did you ever attach any cast? I can't, I'm not going to say, but yes. I mean, basically, to get anything greenlit, you need a director, a producer, or a star. And so, 
uh, actually the producer at the time was Mike White. Uh, he was on board as a producer for uh, maybe five years at least. And then mm-hmm. he stopped. He was, he was such a good guy. Um, he stopped producing other people's stuff. So he left. But, I mean, it was 13 years. So he was there for about half the time. Because Mike White, everyone knows now. Oh, White Lotus. And he's been around for a long time. Yeah. You know, it's School of Rock of- was probably... A huge, yeah. right? Kind of yeah, sure. What you, school, of, school of Rock's probably like what, like 2008, give or take. So it was after School of Rock or, or before? It was after School of Rock. Gotcha. It was, yeah, he had done, it was like Gentleman Broncos was maybe the, the thing he mm. had most recently done. So how, how did you get both attachments, basically? Just kind of in the broadest strokes, obviously. My agent, I met UTA and my agent sent the script paint to Mike White on a Friday and he called me on a Saturday morning. He called me the next morning. And you didn't know him personally? Not at all. And you'd he already called- been on the blacklist though? No, had not been on the blacklist. So they sent it to him and he called me the next morning, which was just like an unbelievable affirmation that I might not suck, Mm -hmm. which, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just that he called me that next morning was insane to me. And he's just such a nice guy. And, uh, you know, he's famously not a morning person. (laughs) Um, uh, I didn't know that. So look, it even even makes it that much more special (laughs) that he called. Um, uh, that changes everything. I had no idea he wasn't a morning person. It was so fast. And then we got this a person attached right away and did it, went to Emily. Didn't Mike help you attach the, the actor? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then so and then we're just rolling at that point. And then, I, you know, obviously you ended up not making that $22 million movie in 2010 or whenever it was. But do you feel like that model today would could happen? No. If someone had the right script, they could have their agent send it to the right producer and attach the right name like yes. within a few yeah, days. That, that part can happen. Like that part, that part can happen. And it's just it just starts with a good script, right? And a reputable agent. Yes. And and, and I will say that having written other scripts that have been much less well received, as paint has spent a decade, it spent a decade falling apart. I had an interesting conversation with an, uh, an agent who wasn't my agent at UTA, who was a covering agent for UTA, which means sort of looking out for each, each agency as a covering agent for a script. And so that covering agent will look, uh, sort of look out for the agents that agency's interest with the script. So there'll be one at Gersh and CA and whatever else. And so each agency and has different varying degrees of how much they care about it. With paint, we definitely had a lot of interest from UTA because I was there. Gersh was really always interested. CA to a certain extent, WME not so much. So it's in- interesting just who you who you talk to a lot. And Gersh was really the one. Gersh really really pushed a lot for their people and stuff. So I had I developed relationships with Gersh along the way. But um, with uh, with UTA, I had a really interesting conversation with an agent there where she said, "Look, the way it works is you write a script, we send it out." And we do our due diligence and you hear back from people and they'll think it's okay or they don't like it. And then you say to your client, Hey, you know, so we sent it out and we heard back and, you know, some people are interested and you kind of like, you just kind of let it die. And so it's obvious, it's just not going to happen. And so you're polite about it and you don't hurt people's feelings, but ultimately you can just, you read the room in terms of when you send a script out and, and how people respond to it. And she was like, paints, not that script. And that's why everyone's fighting to get this made. Like people love this script. And so we're gonna, that's why people keep fighting to get it made. And that's, you know, so that was an interesting, it was interesting to hear that. And also knowing that I'd sent out other scripts 
<laughs> and, you know, and heard basically the other right, side of it. Right. You know, I was like, so, oh. so, just, so in most cases, people politely just let it fade into oblivion yeah. and you just don't do it. You just, there's nothing you can do about it. There's no, you know, there's no way to put up a fight. Right. And is that- I don't, I don't think so unless you have juice. Right. Like, so mm-hmm. it's like, and which I certainly didn't have, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if, if you believe in me, then but you had enough juice to be repped at UTA, right? Yes. Um, and that was, and yeah, and, but you know, but barely like, it's not like, you know, like my agents have, uh, you know, if you look at IMDB, you, you eventually you get to my name on my agents mm-hmm. list. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the top of the list, but, but yeah. But I that makes some- a difference, right? Like if Mike White gets a script from an agent at UTA or an agent at like some small boutique agency or management company that they've never heard of, that he's never heard of, it makes a difference, right? It all, it all matters. It does. And so, yeah. And Mike White was at UTA. So, um, at oh. the time, so yeah, it all, it, it's all interconnected. The reason I was at, I was at UTA was I'd done some shorts actually for Comedy Central, which we had talked about a little bit, but I'd done these shorts called Honesty, which ended up getting nominated for an Emmy, lost to The Office when The Office did shorts that year. What? Is that show even, did anyone even watch that? I don't think so. I mean, it's about an office. Like, so, no one you know, remembers it for sure. Geez, no one remembers it. must have made yeah, something yeah. cool in that office. Yeah. yeah <laughs> when I call it the orifice, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, but it was like, it was like, it was so funny going to the Emmys and uh, the daytime Emmys. So it's asterisk, but, um, uh, and it was like, it was Gaffigan, the office. It was like Conan O'Brien. It was like, and me. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, I, I'm not winning at all. Like, it was like, <laughs> it's like, a, in no way am I winning this. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so, and then it won a Webby Award. And so they were like well received and they were kind of the first thing, at least I was told they were the first thing for Comedy Central to go viral. So it was like, that, that was the thing that got me signed at UTA. Um, and, and that was also, and I really did work that. Like I really did. I was doing commercials at the time. Didn't want to be doing commercials and then sort of, um, actively worked to have UTA sign me. Um, and I'll tell you, this is the, my, this is, you're going to like this story. So I'm going to tell you a good story about how so that how happened. Any, how mm-hmm. anyone can get signed with UTA. This is how to do it. So this is get notebooks out. So I was hired to write the upfront for ABC. And the upfront is, is the presentation to advertisers where they sell shows. And so, and there's a whole like thing that you shoot. There's a whole like, you know, show you put on to be like, here's the fall season. I was hired to do that. And I was told ABC wants to be super edgy. So I was like, here we go. So <laughs> I was living in New York at the time and I wrote a super edgy upfront for ABC. It was a snowstorm in New York. Took me, it was hours to get from Manhattan to JFK. My flight was pushed back like for hours and hours and hours. I ended up not being able to go to my hotel before the meeting. I went right from the airport in the morning to ABC. I had my suitcase and everything. I'm in the front. It was uh, Steve McPherson was the president of ABC. I'm in front of his office with my suitcase. And the head of marketing, who's a friend of mine, goes in. I'm waiting outside for a bit. He comes out and he's like, okay, so they've decided to go in a different direction. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, did you already write it? Oh, yeah. I was super edgy. So I got fired. 
as I'm sitting in front of the AV, in president of ABC's office sure. with my suitcase and everything. And it was like Unshowered. the longest night of my life, yeah. like just gross. <laughs> and so I was like, well, F bomb it. I'm going to take an earlier flight home. I was not happy. I was just, I was like, Com-, like, you know, and so I got on an early flight and I'm sitting next to someone reading lots of scripts. And so I'm like, well, this is a, f- this is a famous actor. I'm sure uh, they were nice enough to have me in first class. So, but I was like, if this is a someone reading scripts, this is a famous actor, like this many scripts. And I was like, no, I don't recognize her. So, and I was like, I looked at her and I was like, Shaney Rosenswag. Uh, <laughs> and so she turned to me and was like, who are you? And so I went to high school with Shaney Rosenswag. I was oh, wait, a senior when was she was a real freshman. Name? I thought you no, were just making no. up a fake name. <laughs> No, I actually, I say that to everyone. I, everyone I meet, I'm like, Shaney Rosenzweig. Uh, no, but so she was, uh, she's, you know, a partner now, a partner at UTA, but she's Owen's agent. Um, I went to high school with her. Uh, she's agent for, you know, a lot of huge people. And so. Where did you go to high school? Like LA, New York or like Ohio? Uh, in, uh, in Westchester and Chappaqua, New York, which is like okay. 45 minutes north of, of Manhattan we just talked the whole flight. We actually, we switched seats because we were, our necks got sore from <laughs> looking the same direction the whole time. And at the time I had I, my, these shorts were on the homepage. This is so long ago on the homepage of AOL, which was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah. it was just they were because killing of on that. Prodigy.net. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Tom from MySpace had called me. <laughs> they were killing it in that world. And so I said, I was like, yeah, I have these shorts and then she loved those shorts. And then basically that's how I got signed is only because I got fired from that job at ABC. And I took an earlier flight and sat next to someone I went to high school with. Like mm-hmm. it just doesn't ha- it does not happen if, if I don't get fired. So, so the, the lesson is get a yep. first class ticket. Doesn't matter where mm-hmm. you're going as long as one mm-hmm. side is LA and one side mm-hmm. is New York. Play the odds. Eventually yeah. it'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. Get, get fired. And then mm-hmm. just, and then turn to the person next to you and say, Shaney Rosenswag, mm-hmm. right? You know, first yeah. class is like, it works like the subway. Once you're in first class, you can <laughs> just keep staying there for every subsequent ride. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Until yeah. you see someone reading a script. Exactly. So yeah, that's the, uh, that's how to do it. Look, there are a handful yeah. of things, right? Like obviously that's a right place, right time sort of situation, but you had made those shorts that did have some heat, right? And then you capitalized on it. Right. This is rude, but I was also, I really did. I spun them. I really spun them. Cause I was like, Hey, so I don't know if this is a big deal, but I'm getting a lot of calls from, cause it wasn't like, Oh, we're signing you right away. It was like, Oh, you should talk to people or whatever. And then I would like talk to people and they'd be like, sort of like, yeah, it's really nice. I'm like, and I'd be like, so I'm getting a lot of calls from different agencies and managers and stuff. So is that, should I, what should I be doing with that? And then people would be like, well, how many? Like, and I'd be like, just a, a lot. So is that unusual? <laughs> yeah, I'm not and, sure what to do. And you're like, yeah. like Rick from CAA and Mike from <laughs> William Morris. And uh, there's the heat, was lim- the heat was limited. The heat was, uh, it was not quite as hot as. Uh, so you were as- creating a faux buzz. Yes. Uh, there That's was, awesome. there was, there was buzz, but it was, uh, it was, I was, I was. Poking the bee. Um, sure. Well, and I think agents, um, nothing motivates them more than competition amongst other agents, right? Like they don't want to get scooped. Yeah. It's everything's dating, you know, it's like everything's just dating. So it's like, oh, if everyone likes that person, I should probably like that person. So I just had sort of a, a what felt like a pretty narrow window. And, um, and yeah, 
and just crash through it. Yeah. So back to paint. I'm curious. Do you want to talk at all about the kind of falling apart the first time and you rebuilding it? That's those are the days of refinancing a used car. You want to talk Uh about a low moment. You want to talk about a low moment. Two little kids standing in front of our house. You know, we had car payments and calling and being like, yes, you can refinance your car payments on your used car and like getting like a couple hundred bucks out of that and being so psyched being like, this is unbelievable that I'm getting this money. Like that's how bad it was in there. Like things just, and, you know, things really falling apart. And also cause it was like, you're green lit. And then you stop chasing other work. You stop, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, obviously, yeah, I'm not going to chase anything else. Cause I'm just in, in, you know, pre pro on this and then it falls apart. And then, and are you getting paid anything when it's greenlit? Like a signing bonus, like a script fee? Zero dollars. Like, uh, are you joining the WGA and all that stuff? Zero. Everything's just zero. So it's, um, yeah, nothing. I mean, there's nothing until it happens. So I mean, right. I but signed it. You, you take those zero dollars, you put them in a high interest rate account. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. I, I mean, you should, the, the, the contract I signed was insane. It was insane. Like it was so much money. Like, you know, it was all signed. Mm-hmm. Paperwork was all done. Mm-hmm. Like, and right. so, so you think, oh man, I'm going to get an amount of money that I've never seen before in my life. And if I can just hang on until this movie gets made, I'm set. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd sign the deal. Like just yeah. like, you know, I'd sign the deal, you know, it's like lawyers and all that stuff. So it's like, and then so you show yeah. up at home with a Lamborghini. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then refinance it. Um, uh, yeah, no, it was just that it was, you know, it was, it was that. And then everything just started getting pushed. And that's the hard Mm -hmm. thing. Like if you have big enough people attached, they have so much, so many other things going on that it's like, oh yeah, we can do this in two years. And two years to me at the time felt like way too long. So it was two years was like, well, we should obviously look somewhere else. This is like, you're talking about like actors. Yep. Right. And, and what you just don't realize is two years is nothing. Two years is like a blink of an eye. So it's like, and and just to reiterate for people, when you say we should look elsewhere, it's not like you can keep superstar on the hook and kind of like date around a little bit. It, it's definitive. If you're, if you're looking for other people, it just became a bit of a question mark if it was really going to happen. And once mm-hmm. it's a question mark, but it was like, you know, you feel like, Oh, you can just sort of pick and you can just pick who you want to have do this. It's just a weird thing. It's like if the right person attaches or whatever, then it just feels like, Oh, then the next person would do it or whatever. So th- it's black and white if someone's going to do it in the gray area of like, Oh, this person would obviously do it is not the case at all. So Mm -hmm. especially with someone like me as the director, which, you know, having, it's a leap of faith to make a movie with me. Like Mm -hmm. it it just is like it's, and you can, you know, you can say, Oh, we did a live to tape comedy central show that's successful. And that sounds great, but that has nothing to do with narrative or anything else. Like it's, you know, shorts have nothing to do with, being able to tell some a story for an hour and a half. Nowadays, I feel like probably nine out of 10 directors that have this script and this project, like have a deck, a Google slide, something like visual references, a ripomatic, like all these other materials. 
that are like, hey, I know I haven't directed this before, but this is what it's going to mm-hmm. look like and feel like. I, I've had a lookbook forever that was great. And the film really does look a lot like the lookbook. Like it really sort of stayed true to it. Um, it's a specific story and with a specific tone. And I certainly didn't have anything that matched that tone. I had really, really dry stuff, which in a lot of ways the film is that. But um, I did and you shoot- wrote the script too. So, I mean, there is yeah. like you, you created that tone on paper. Yes. But, but uh, you know, in terms of this idea that I, I just this idea that you could that I could pull it off and also the amount of money, you know, or how many millions are you going to invest in me? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you have to you have to start a corporation like and it's, you know, to 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 make an independent film. I just I mean, like the bank, it's such bad business. It's just bad, bad business. Like to bank on that, like working. If you're someone who cares enough about money, I don't think it makes sense to put money towards that. If you're someone who cares about creating something or being a producer or being in the world of filmmakers, that's a different thing. Like, you know, if you're a billionaire and you're like, what's $5 million, I get to make a movie. That sounds like fun. That's a very different place. But if you're chasing money, I, I mean, I don't think it's, it can't be a good investment. You know, maybe a horror movie is a cheap horror movie, but like a comedy, like, especially now, like that's, that's a, that's a tricky, that's a tricky investment, which I know is just makes everyone sad saying it, but <laughs> uh, you know, like. But I, also I your movie is in theaters. So someone, someone did it. Are you allowed to tell us like how it finally got resurrected? It was Owen. He's he's never made a film this small. He was never a possibility. And then all of a sudden he was. And he and I are the same age within a few months. Um, it was interesting meeting with him for the first time about it where, and I'm not sure if it's, we just have a very similar sense of humor and very similar references. And it's 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 odd because he's been doing it for so long. It's like, you know, it's chicken or the egg. It's like, how much did he shape my sense of humor, you know, between mm-hmm. him and Wes sure. and him sure. and everything. You know, it's like, so it's an, it's an odd thing where you're like, Oh, we, you know, acknowledging that we're very similar about stuff. Yeah, and it's like, you're like, well, Oh, I have bottle rocket in my lookbook. Exactly, what yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, maybe I'm just ripping you off as we're yeah. talking, you know, like, yeah. you know, Wait, and how did you get to him through your agent? Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it was, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I was like, can we, can we send it to him? And do you have to send it with an offer like at this point or no, can you just talk about it? Yeah, no. Cause it's your, there's no, there's no money or anything. It's like you have, you know, it's one of, it's basically the one of three. So you either have a producer, uh, a star or a director, and that's where you get the money. So um, one of those people has the money. And when, at that point, I think, but don't you point, need like, like I've heard like that Jack Black will not read a script unless it's from an A-list writer. It doesn't Owen Wilson get, you know, 10 scripts a day. I'm sure. But also his agent is the filtering, you know, so mm-hmm, and the agent mm-hmm. loved the script. So you're right. And yeah, vouching the, for, you know, that's the, yeah, that's the yeah. agent's, that's the agent's job is to, you know, that's, if the, if an agent sends an A-list actor enough bad scripts, it's no longer the agent. Right. So right. that agent has to send the right scripts to the person. Um, an interesting aside on that is, is Steven Root is in it. And obviously he's a genius. We were once again, not a big budget movie and we didn't have, yeah, you know, just not a big budget movie. And the conversations with his agents were like, 
were like, we don't have very much money. And they were like, if he finds out that he was offered a good script and didn't, the offer didn't get to him over money, he will be very unhappy. Mm-hmm. So they were like, and it's just, it's just the best. It's the like, he just, yeah. he just wants to do good work and interesting work. And just talking to him about the whole world. He's like, he has a no asshole policy, which I love, which is he just won't work with bad people. That's what he cares about. It's like, he just wants to do good work and have it, you know, he just has a nice life. Like he just goes from like movie to Barry to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Coen brothers, whatever. This is a long story. Um, <laughs> and you, I, you're, you're talking about like, oh, like you, you had some really low moments. What kept you going? Right. Like obviously just, you're writing other scripts and you're shooting other things in between. It's not like you're just like waiting by the phone to make paint. But like, I, I guess, you know, having crossed the threshold in it's a movie in theaters with a bona fide movie star, you did it right. Certainly there must've been moments where you were like, I don't know if this is going to be the movie. Right. I, the, I, I mean, in a lot of ways I didn't have a choice. Um, again, is it your first feature? Yes. I mean, uh, as I had mentioned, Cat Williams, American Hustle, the movie, oh, which, right, is right. The, which is it's the actual special. name. And then, uh, uh, and then Trivia Town was a doc that I did with um, my good friend, Patrick Katie, who's a cinematographer on paint, who I convinced to be the cinematographer. But he's, uh, and he's, all, he's very fancy. He's off with J.J. Abrams right now, directing and producing for him on Duster, which is his new show. So awesome. um, the look, Patrick, the look of paint is amazing, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, we had we had really Very good, cool. really, really good people throughout. So we got super lucky um, with, you know, our production designer, Todd Jeffrey and Ali Pierce, who's costume designer and Patrick. Like we just had really, really, really talented people. You know, I was just chasing, chasing any work. So always directing, you know, a lot of commercials or anything else you know, just trying to pay the bills. The weird thing in there was that my wife, I started to say this, but my wife, who's half of I mom so hard, uh, which is this comedy duo of two moms. We started shooting stuff in our kitchen with, um, and actually it was a Canon 60 D I had and, uh, which would, you know, runs for 10 minutes before it overheats. We had one light, one $40 light and two Ikea light bulbs hanging in the kitchen. We just started shooting those two guys. And after three episodes of these two minute long shorts, they had a development deal at Warner brothers um, because it resonated so mm-hmm. quickly, which is just insane. So that was the other thing. And and my wife was in a similar situation, which was, she's like a commercial actor and it just wasn't happening. Like, and you get to that age, you know, in, in LA where you're like, well, you know, if you're, if you're anywhere close to a four and you're the, you know, the first digit in your age, and I don't mean five years old, um, uh, you're, you know, you're done. So she was done. Like it was just, it was done, you know, we like, um, and then that happened. And so that was part of it. And part of, part of this whole world was, you know, we had two kids and then I ended up, really taking, not really taking care of the kids, but we definitely split parental responsibilities. So that was also part of it. It was like paint was happening, but we also had two kids and then her stuff, I was still shooting her stuff, but then if she like her stuff really took off where, I mean, they have a New York times bestseller, a wine label, 
We went on tour mm-hmm. with 14 of us, two families on a tour bus for 30 cities, you know, a couple, five summers back that I shot that, all of that. And that was the hardest mm-hmm. thing ever. 14, like two, like four little kids on a tour bus is just because tour yeah. buses go 55 miles an hour and, and you have to wait, you get 14 people on the bus, which takes a long time to get 14 people and like all the baby stuff on a bus. And then you drive for 10 hours in a day on a bus and then you get out and you move all that stuff into a hotel room. And then you, and then for me, I'd go shoot a comedy show that night. And then, <laughs> and the worst, the worst part is at that age, my kids were so little, they're so little. My daughter was in diapers and my son was like three and every hotel, all they wanted to do was go to the pool and they were both terrified of the water. And it would just be me on the steps with them hanging on to me screaming. And that was like, that was the, that was the rest. So like, you know, so yeah, at least we're exactly. not on a so, bus right So now, like, and, you know, that was a big part of like the last decade of my life was that was a big chunk yeah. of it was also being practical in, you know, my marriage and my, with my family. So it's like my wife is killing it. And which meant like her stuff mm-hmm. decidedly came first. Um, so that's also, that's part of it. So for whatever other, you know, I was, you know, on tour, I had to turn down jobs or whatever, you know, like that's part of it, but it's like, you're, you know, just trying to be practical. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not a, it's not a sexy answer, but it's also the truth of it. And also the thesis of this show for sure. Like it's about the journey. It's about the process. Every filmmaker I know who's like, ah, you know, we're, um, you know we're we're starting a family but it's no big deal like we'll just uh, we'll we'll take the whole circus with us and you know i'll shoot a movie and uh, you know like all the kids will come by on set and all of that stuff and then there's like the slow realization that that's a more complicated solution than you don't realize don't do it when you've talked don't to do, someone like, cause we yeah. shot we shot paint in upstate new york during covid and is a 20-hour shoot we had 12-hour days including travel so our days were really tens including all the COVID stuff. So our days were so short. Mm-hmm. And um, if my family had been there during that, I mean, I was sleeping three hours a night, like tops. Like I would fall asleep yeah. with yeah. all of my, you know, everything on the bed with me, just, you know, shot lists, whatever else, scripts, everything. Cause mm-hmm. I was also still casting at the time, like for, you know, local mm-hmm. casting. So I would sleep, let's say I would sleep from, one to four in the morning and then, and then wake Mm -hmm. up. Um, the thing that really saved me, if you want to promote something is zip fizz, which is a Costco product. It has 104,000% of your B12 for the day. Um, and Uh that, yeah, it feels warm in your brain, a B12 shot. You, this is 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 like a tube that you pour into a drink. And after lunch, um, Uh after lunch, I would take a zip fizz and there's nothing I'd come over there and fight both of you right now. Mm-hmm. If I had a zip fish, <laughs> like it was just <laughs> insane. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get <laughs> high on vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me think though. I have a friend who, uh, his wife, when he's shooting calls him the messy ghost. <laughs> and it's because like, they never see him. They just like find, you know, like let like breakfast that he didn't have time to clean up. And then, you know, He's asleep in bed for three hours oh, to your point, Britt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, oh, well, ahead. so sorry. Yeah. 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 I, I, in addition yeah. to zip fizz, 
let's talk about the movie a little bit more. What are the other things that got you, not just got you through it, but like you discovered in the, in the process of shooting any takeaways, right? Like after you've been marinating on this movie for so long, what was that first day like? Tell us about that. Uh, you know, I'd worked with Owen on the script a bunch. He and I had Zoomed a bunch. Can I ask one question about yeah, the yeah. script, which you've probably gotten a million times, but did you, do you have in your mind a year that this takes place in? Um, yes. The official year is 2010, which I know you is like much more recent than you think. Uh, and the reason for that is because uh, there's an Uber joke in it. Uber was started in 2009. In my, in my mm -hmm. justification of this world, there was a pilot program for Uber in Burlington, Vermont in 2010, which no way exists, but that allows, that mm -hmm. allows the timeline to work. Um, I mean, basically Owen's character, Carl Nargle is trapped in the past, uh, as is, um, in the best way possible, Vermont, Vermont has no billboards. It's very bucolic. It's a, there's, it really isn't a place where there's industry. So it's sort of, um, Vermont and Carl are both trapped in the past. There's never been a reason for him to change. There's also not really a reason for Vermont to change. So, you know, the, the van that he had in the seventies, he still has and his pants still fit. And, um, that he wore when he was a rock star, PBS rock star at age 22. So he's never changed. His world's never changed. Well, it's funny because I kind of, I guess in my mind, it was, I don't know if you've seen it follows, but, uh, it, it's very timeless. Yeah, um, you know they have like these clamshell so cell phones. Good. It kind of has a retro vibe to it, but but they never nothing really ever anchors you. Even the cars are kind of like just so cool, nondescript, like kind of cool vintage cars, but like that would be cool today, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And so in your movie, like there is a, he does have a cell phone that he doesn't know how to use, right? There is an yep. Uber joke, and I believe there's a band that's referenced, or there's something else that feels present day. Oh, like interesting. 2000s. There's a shark tank joke. Oh yes. A um, shark tank joke. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, you can get into that world. So yeah, basically. So I thought you were kind of almost for a second there. I was like, I wonder if he's making those references to avoid the Bob Ross of it all. No. Um, but certainly the Bob Ross of it all is definitely a thing to avoid. I, I really stopped. I, I really stayed away from anything Rossian. Uh, just so Carl would be his own character, uh, you know. Obviously, the you know the influence is there. It's it's Bob Ross and Gordon Lightfoot sure. sort of combined. Hey, hair, yeah, notwithstanding, yeah. right? And it was yeah. you know it's a tricky and thing the voice, works. right? Is kind of yeah, based. yeah. Like yeah. I'm assuming it's, the inspiration is Bob Ross, <laughs> thousand percent. So it's like you know that's yeah. As a kid, I would watch Bob Ross and and I loved just the power that he had over you, where it would you know, we would put his show on and you'd sort of be like, Oh, who's this guy with the hair and stuff. And then, and then, you know, it would be a, a brush, a Brown brush stroke that would turn into a branch, which would become a tree, which would become a forest. And then a mountain. Right. Like, that's screenwriting. It is. Yeah. It's incredible. It really to watch, is, right? Truly. Right. Like you, you get why it's like, Mesmerizing. Oh, I, I understand this yeah, was but a were you? I'm curious, yeah. like five years ago when there was like this Bob Ross explosion out of nowhere, Deadpool does the Bob Ross thing. And then every, I mean, Matt and I work in commercials a lot. We were up for so, I mean, so many. You know, Bob I literally Ross had riffs. to start saying like, yeah. Hey, can we do something other than a Bob Ross parody? <laughs> yeah. Uh, to every yeah. creative director in America was doing, and were you, and your movie had not been shot yet. And were you like, 
damn this. I, oh, of course. I knew Bob Ross before everyone, anyone else did. Yeah. Yeah. You no, it was it. like, and I do, I look, I feel like it's that way with so much, like, you know, I'll talk to friends and be like, oh, my show. Like, you know, like it, you, you have an idea and then, and then your show turns sure. into something. It's like, there are only so many ideas and someone else is going to make it. So, yeah. I mean, for me, when I wrote that, I, Bob Ross was, was there, People there had not been did, the resurgence. didn't even know no. who he was. Nope. It was a very personal thing to me. And it was odd where I was like, I couldn't believe watching it go away. And especially like Deadpool, I was like, oh, come on. But, it, but it didn't, it's funny. It bothered me a lot more than it bothered anyone else. Like, er, like everyone else saw mm -hmm. it as a real strength. Um, ultimately, you know, in terms of getting attention, sure. Yep. Still current, still active, yeah, still yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, is that part of how it yeah. ended up getting financed in the end? I, yes, for sure. I mean, it was one of those ideas that people, you know, in terms of like pitching ideas or whatever, it was always one that resonated immediately of what if that, what if that basic guy was a, was a ladies man was sort of the idea of like, what if the most mm -hmm. polite, nicest person on earth seemingly was not that was sort of the Which idea. I heard you say that in an interview, but. Was he not a, was he famously not a ladies man? I, I mean, don't. He seems cool. Uh, uh, I mean, this is, this is, I literally don't know. Like, it's like, I, once I started doing this, once I started working on it, I stopped listening to anything and I stopped. Sure. I, like, yeah. You don't want to absorb Bob all. Ross. Like, I just, I didn't want the language. Yeah. I wanted, like, I was mm -hmm. like, this is already going to be, uh, you know, reference or close enough where I was like, I just got to, I want to stay away from this. So it's like the Melissa McCarthy, Ben Falcone documentary and Netflix. I didn't watch like, I like, mm. you know, it's like people, it's like Bill Alexander, like people will talk to me about, you know, who was his teacher who, and there's all these debates about Bob Ross and Bill Alexander and all of this stuff. And I stay away from all of it. Like I just don't, no. don't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let it contaminate any yeah. of the, yeah. Which makes sense. I, I think maybe to Oren's point though, there is the, the seed of like, oh, he is kind of cool and he is like kind of sexy. So you could see why it would be a good idea. Like, it doesn't matter if he was or if he wasn't. If you're familiar with Bob Ross, it's not that crazy of a jump to be like, oh, it would be cool. Wouldn't it be fun if he was a ladies man? Do you know what I mean? Sexy or not, you know? So like, I think it's like, it's nice uh, for it to not be such an insane leap for the audience. To be like, oh, yeah, I bet he was. Yeah, you know? I think I, I just it, think there's that world yeah. of, I mean, you know, who, you know, who the whatever people appear to be on TV or whatever else is just not who they are for starters. And, you know, this, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, you know, I've said this in other interviews or whatever at this point, but it's like if you are a rock star at age 22 and you think you have the world whole figured out and everyone's treating you like you have the world figured out, would you evolve beyond that? You know, if I, if I, if 22 mm -hmm. year old me didn't get my teeth kicked in a bunch, I'd be a nightmare. Like I, I you know, you do, mm -hmm. I, I would just be horrible. So it's a blessing, you know, it's such a blessing. And, and that's such a wonderful insight right that's it's not an answer to like why now but it's like it's perfect in a pitch meeting right did you come to that did you synthesize that thought before you made the movie or is that something that you've kind of come to afterwards was that part of the pitch it was definitely part of it was um i mean i never it wasn't 
there wasn't a pitch. It was just a script. Like I just wrote the script, mm-hmm. you know, it's like mm-hmm. back, back in the days when people wrote scripts and didn't pitch, um, just so crazy. So Sounds incredible. So crazy. Sounds awesome. It's like, it's just the craziest world now where it's like, I wrote a script and it's like, well, don't show it to anybody. Let's work on the pitch. It's like, like, but like for a TV show, it's like, nobody wants to read mm-hmm. a script. It's like, but I have a really good script. It's like, okay, but what's the pitch like? It's like, but wouldn't the script sort of show that it is a good show? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so crazy, that whole world of that, like where it's the script's the last thing you want. So, you know, there are a bunch of there are a bunch of different characters that in terms of for the script itself, there was a when I worked at VH1, there was a woman who whispered during meetings and she was just the softest talking person of ever. And she would just dominate meetings because everyone would be yelling or fighting, you know, for to be heard. And then she would mm-hmm. say, I think I've got maybe something that would um, work for that. Yeah. So it was that watching that that person control the room was fascinating to me. I loved it. I love I would watch it so early on mm-hmm. in meetings where I'd be like, oh, she's doing it. And then the whole room would get quiet. I just love that power she had over people. So it was like a combination of those two people. Um, did you and find then, that, so, you know, the Owen Wilson character, Carl, is whispering a lot in this movie, talking at a whisper level. Did yep. you find the sound mix to be incredible, incredibly difficult? Because, like, we were, dialogue is always tricky. Yeah. Are there technical we, yeah. Yeah. we were We were sure. fine. We were yeah. fine. I'll say for people, don't, if you hear the generator, I hate generators so much. If you hear the generator, you're going to hear the generator. So you mean when and, you're recording audio? When you're recording, like. And that's another like, yeah, sound is more important than any other part of shooting, especially if you're low budge. Like if you're, if you have bad sound, the whole thing, no. And if you have bad sound, you have a bad product. Like, you know, for anyone who's listening, who's doing something on the cheap sound, get good sound first because you can't fix it. Um, You can make a choice to have something look bad or stylistically, whatever else, but bad sound is bad sound. And for me, a, a really big pet peeve for me is the generator. If you can hear the generator when you're on set, you can hear the generator. And we do have scenes where the voices get thin. What you lose the low end of a voice in a mix mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. And when you when you notch yeah. out the generator, and so we yeah, have a, yeah. we have a couple That's we have a great. couple of scenes where it's a really hard choice because you know in the final mix where the engineer doing the mix is like it doesn't bother me that the the generator sound in the background i'm like i can't do it and then the choice is like do you have your voices thin or do you have this non like a sound that doesn't exist anywhere in nature in the background of an exterior non-diegetic yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. that's that's the choice you get to that choice so get that generator around the corner or whatever else like man i that's like i hate the generator so much and I hate that I'm right about the generator so much. Like that's <laughs> yeah. like when everyone like, on set is like, oh, you can filter it. It's out, fine. Worry. It's fine. And, and then you get in the mix yeah. and you're like, fuck, like so <laughs> mad. So it's, there's nothing worse than being right and not listening to yourself. In the script, you're writing about artwork, great artwork, something interesting. Mm-hmm. Someone mm-hmm. drew, I, you know, my friends made a movie where somebody painted a bunch of buttholes. And my friend was a production designer and she's like, yep, I had to paint all the buttholes and they had to look amazing, you know? Yeah. Um, so you have probably hundreds, right, of paintings like Bob Ross. I mean, they're, in your movie, he's painting the same mountain over and over, but all these different iterations of them. 
Like, how do you make all that art for your movie? I did it myself. No way. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so awesome. So sick of you. Just like every weekend. I just you know, why you I know. read the movie. I had you know, it's, it's, kids, it's, kids go to sleep. It's, I have a copy. It's called being an just, artist. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm just a writer director. <laughs> if you told um, us mid journey, I would be equally excited. You know, we have different characters. So it's like our, the person Ambrosia is a character of an artist. And that's someone in Colorado guy. That's guy, Brian in Colorado. And then, we have other artists, two artists who are Carl Nargle and then, um, and three really. And then there's a, an artist for the van. Um, so it was our production designer, uh, Todd Jeffrey, who's just a real, he's just a genius, just a genius, genius. Um, he did like miracle workers, the Daniel Radcliffe show. He did the first season mm-hmm. of that. So it's like, that's mm-hmm. a very specific look and super lucky to have him on. So he was also one of those guys who, um, I would say for anyone directing, just hire people who are better than you at everything. Like that's like if any any place you can. So get actors who are better than you every place you can. So he's so much better than me at production design, which is um, it would be like we would have a conversation and it would be, you know, he would he like, you know, be talking back and forth on something. And then he'd be like, I got it. I got it. I got it. And then he would. And it was never wrong. Like when he got to the point of being like, "I, I got it. I got it then the thing would show up and be perfect. Like there's a TV joke in, in the film and it's a, it's a, it's a a TV that rises slowly. And that TV showed up about an hour before we shot it. It, we found it like Todd found it two Mm. hours away. And when I cried, when I trick, when I triggered that thing and saw the action of this TV screen appearing. I couldn't believe how amazingly perfect it was. And that's what, that's what he did with everything. We had two days of snow on paint where we, um, that was also another thing, a really, really dumb thing that I did that, which, which added years to making paint was I had a a pivotal giant scene at the end of the film in snow. And so every year we would miss a shooting deadline because the win- winter would come and oh. go. And then finally, right. you're just checking yeah, the like, weather app. Like, well, oh, it might well, stick it didn't a little come longer. Together, so next yeah. year, you know, I just did next year. And then finally I was like, yeah. what am I doing? And it was like Mike White's other producer, uh, Dave Bernad, who was on it for a while before, before they stopped doing that kind of thing. He was like, do you really need the snow? Because it seems like every year we kind of can't make the movie because of the snow. And then it was finally I was like, what am I doing? You get lazy. And you're like, what's a great scene? How can I rewrite this two page scene? Um, so I just got rid of it. I got rid of that giant joke. And then all of a sudden it wasn't like, you know, then like we shot we shot it in mm-hmm. April and May and we did still need snow. Um, but it wasn't like we didn't need an entire world covered in snow. Like we had specific things that we put, we added snow to. I will say that in adding the snow. So for anyone who's ever shot snow, basically it's a giant ice chipping truck that you get. And, um, and then you blow that out. It's like a fan. You get these chunks of ice. It gets chipped up into a chipper. And then you blow that with a fan through a hose, like through a, um, yeah, a big wide hose. Like a duct type thing. Yeah. Duct. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. yeah, like, like an AC. A, yeah. So, and, you, yeah. and so yeah. the first day we did it, they were like, we had two days and they were like three weeks apart. And everyone was like, we don't have money to do this. We don't have money. To do this. We like, you should just rewrite the script, do it as a leaf pile instead of snow. It's just like, 
no, we're going to, we need snow. Like for the stuff I fought for and the stuff I didn't fight for is like, no, we need this. Cause also I just don't have enough time to rewrite it at this point. But, um, so the first day the snow truck shows up, they don't, the hose is not long enough to like spray it. It's only like, it's supposed to be like, you know, 20 or 30 feet long. It's like 10 feet long. So you're like, well, this is as far as the hose goes. Mother, you know, so it's like, you're trying to deal with that. So then three weeks later, Sure. And, and you're in Vermont. So it's not like, oh, okay, well, there's yeah. a Home Depot, yeah. tw- you know, 10 minutes away. We'll send yeah. a PA. We're we're back get, on track we're, and we're actually shooting like, in yeah. Saratoga, New York for New York's tax incentives. And it's very close to Vermont. So it looks the same, but, and it had a bit of a film mm-hmm. community, but not enough to offset the cost of hotel rooms. So it's like, it's like, mm. you know, if you're shooting close enough to a hub, you get people who are living at home and you can, you can, you, you can use the crew. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put them up. And then that makes sense. We were in a place where crew didn't live. <laughs> and uh, so we had to put up everybody. So that's super expensive. Like that was a, that was not, that, that was a big waste of money. We have a 20 day shoot. So it's like two weeks later, that snow truck shows up again for the second, second day of snow. And the, uh, the hose wasn't long enough. The second time. Yep. They came back and it was <laughs> like, so the hose isn't long enough. Wait, was it the was weeks apart, yeah. Still weeks just apart. Feet? Same hose, same hose. But and so you did do? get this, but you got the snow out of there. Yeah, no? you, yeah, you got the snow out of there. It's like we have no we have we have no wide of that shot. And did you ever think of <laughs> so, VFX? So you, you, um, oh, we did, you, but still, we we had VFX. Yeah, no, but. No. I have, I have a real yeah. question though. Hold on, hold on. Cause Brit, you seem like a, you're a funny guy, you're a comedy director. You seem very affable. You seem very chill. Yeah. Sexy uh, too. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. That right. would be implied. That's what I'm saying. Wait Do, what, and, and I'm a pretty mellow director as well, but if the same really crucial, really fixable mistake happens t- twice in a row where it's, ex- it's expensive and costly and you, you're on a really tight schedule. I got f- super mad and frustrated for you. How do you react? I How don't, do you, I don't, I just what, what don't do you do? like it's yeah. like, because oh, it, that, if, no if, assholes if you, rule. That's why you can't have exactly. And then Ruth quits. Sure. Um, so it's like, but what are you going to do? Like, uh, what are you going to do? Like it's your, yeah. the truck is two hours away. The, the you can longer. Yeah. Like, and all yeah. it does, like, if you're directing a comedy, it's just going to make people mad. Like, I've been not mad. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Mad. It's just going to like make people awkward. And I mean, we have right. like two takes of most stuff. We have, yeah. we have no tights in a lot of, a lot of scenes. Like we have to move so fast. And if I'm off my game and worried about something I can't mm-hmm. change, that's already happened. Like my, my son just played it in a soccer league this year and the coaches who are really nice guys and good coaches would always be yelling at what had just happened instead of what was going to happen. Like, and I was like, just became very aware of like, they'd be like, why are you back there? That guy's got the ball over there. You can't go back there and be like, the game's over there now. What are you doing? Like, so like, it's a really cool metaphor. Yeah. So I was just like, so there's no point. Like I I will shut down at this point in my life with all the testosterone drain out of me. I'm a nice guy. But like, I still, I still have violence in my heart. And, um, if I, I, it's just not a good place for me to go. Like it's, there's no upside. Like I don't want to be the yelling guy. I think it hurts comedies. I think it hurts the whole set. And also there's part of me that really does like that. I like 
when things go wrong. I think it's kind of fun. Like I kind of like it. Like I don't have a problem with things going wrong on a set. Cause I think it's kind of fun when you're like, Oh, this is terrible. What are we going to do? Like, I right. kind of like that moment. Cause, and I do think that really interesting things come out of it or creative choices, but like, I don't have a problem with that at all. It just changes your frame. So it's like we had a wide one way and a, and a medium the other. And it's like, it's a Owen standing in front of the back of his van. It's a, it's basically a showdown scene. And there's one angle of who the Ambrosia, the woman he's talking to, where we show the all of PBS Burlington and, and we have snow in that world. And then the reverse, we have his van doors open and stuff because we have no snow. Like, and, you know, it's a bummer where you have a showdown and ideally there'd be a wide, you know, like a, a nice, you know, f- <laughs> you know, flat wide where you've got, you know, the <laughs> Yeah, like 50, 50, 50, 50 yeah, showdown. showdown shot. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. exist. Yeah, yeah. So that shot doesn't exist because we yeah, couldn't yeah. shoot it, you know? So, and we just don't have a, and it's fine. That's also the other thing. It's, it's, it's fine. It doesn't matter. We've all kind of worked with celebrities before. Owen Wilson is like, has been in massively huge movies. Like when something like that happens, how involved is, like, are you like, hey, Owen, I know we had this wide shot plan, but we're not going to do it. Like how, how much of the filmmaking is some, I imagine someone like him Maybe, maybe not at Tom Cruise mm-hmm. level where he's doing choreographing the helicopters himself. But I imagine someone like Owen is like, oh yeah, that wide shot would have been nice. You know, like how did, do, how does that work in terms he's, of like, he's, he's just a good, he's a good practical guy. Like he's a good guy. He's like, you know, like with dailies and stuff there, you learn so much about the world before the, you see the slate. So, you know, as the camera's rolling, he's 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 like you know saying to the camera operator late are you comfortable like do you need a blanket like can you, is that apple box can we like he's doing that mm-hmm. so he, it's like he's taking care of people like mom. Which is, yeah yeah which is he's just a good guy and so everyone's sort of that way so and then there's you know when stuff went wrong like we lost some big physical jokes as we were about to shoot like there was there was going to be a scene where he was his van as in things are going really bad for him. His van has a flat tire on the side of the road and there's a ton of snow. He's changing the, the back left tire, a snow plow plows him over. And then he turns and looks up at camera and, you know, with his Afro and everything, his face is covered in snow. It's a giant, it's a laugh. It's a big laugh. Right. We didn't shoot it. It's a half a day. Mm-hmm. It's a half a day to do that. And we, so we didn't shoot it. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, explain mm-hmm. to him like, right. or, right. you know, it's like, so we're going to lose this or we're going to lose this. And, and actually that we'd lost, we lost that. And that was, there's a phone call sequence at the end where Wendy McClendon Covey is getting phone calls at the station. That was the final joke of that. Um, and he changed what that final joke was. Cause I was like, we lose this joke. And he actually came up with what the, what that line was, which is great. So it's like, he's also approaching it from a practical standpoint of like, yeah, we can't, we can't shoot that. So Oh, this is, that's going to hurt this joke. Here's, here's the alternate mm-hmm. on that joke. Like he came up with that joke, which was huge. Um, well, and it's incredible to have like, I mean, he's, he was a writer performer from the very yeah, beginning. He's an Oscar nominated writer. Right. So it's like he, he tracks, yeah, he tracks stuff <laughs> yeah. really well. Um, and, yeah. and he's practical. And, and I think also like from, you know, I've never been to a, a Wes Anderson set, but I've always heard it's like, the biggest stars in the world sitting underneath like a white tent, like, you know, like Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's just not, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not, you know, giant trailers and it's just the whole, that's the world. There's like people acting like right, but people. They, they do have little tea cups and crumpets and well, it's, uh, I mean, and uh, obviously it's all wooden bow and arrows and stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is an indie film, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And so when you're on set and you're shooting and it's like sun's about to set and you do a scene, you do a take and Owen's like, maybe I'll say this thing instead. And you're like, I love that. And you shoot it. Or is it, are you the, basically the person that says, okay, we got it. Let's move on. Or are there like other, there's money, nothing else people, there. producers, no, finance. Like, and you, this is, yeah, this is a great, you guys doing commercials. Like, you know, like what it's right. just, you're just looking <laughs> over your shoulder, like, am I still pretending to be the boss, like the decision maker? <laughs> right. Like, am I, you know, and <laughs> like, you're just like, you know, you're just like, oh, okay, well, let's do another 57 yeah. takes. No, um, commercials is like amazing. Let's move yeah. on. Did it. Yeah. Okay. We got to do the whole thing, but you have exactly. to change your pants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's the, yeah. <laughs> and that's the relief of this world. It's like, I like this world better because, and I've used this analogy before, but it's like, there's nothing worse than being handed 79 red balls for the kid to hold. And then you spend hours deciding, you know, narrowing it down to the top 20 balls that the kid's going to hold, you know, and no mm-hmm. one cares about. Well, yeah. well, well let, yeah. let's shoot three, yeah. of, three or four yeah. of them. Yeah, you, exactly. So we have choices. So there's none right. of that. And so, yeah. yeah. And that's also, once you get into an edit, uh, if you have two takes, it's, it, they're the same. Like there just isn't, <laughs> they just aren't that much different. They just sure. aren't. So, and yeah. Owen really liked moving fast. Like, you know, if something was wrong, we would change it, but you know, we didn't shoot mm-hmm. that many takes and the, we had really good actors. So it's like, our actors are great. Oh, yeah, your like, cast is a, insane. It's so there and they're great. Even like Lucy Freyer, who's out of Juilliard, who's her first thing. She's legit. She's going to be a star. Like she's awesome. Yeah, so it's no like. I've heard of Juilliard. So that's pretty awesome. Exactly. Yeah. It's 18 kids get in there. 18, 18 <laughs> a year. Like I had no idea. And look, she is so good. So it's like, but everyone is operating such a high level that, you know, it's once again, it's like casting people who are better at what, you know, having people do their jobs better than you ever can. So all of those actors are right. great. And one so, camera, two cameras. Yeah. One camera for 17 days, two cameras for three. Like we had big sort of sets in the studio mm-hmm. where we had two, but it's one um, in terms of, we were ripping off the Cone brothers primarily. Um, we shot pretty much everything on, on a 27 or a 32. We're two to one aspect mm-hmm. ratio. Mm-hmm. So the 27 is what we call the Nargle. So and yeah, the name I of the character. That, yeah. So yeah. Wait, wait, unpack that a little bit more for us. So you have like, is that just for all of Owen Wilson's shots? Basically is always a 27. Always, like what was the guiding, why, why the Nargle and why so this the, is what we learned. So it's basically, we came in with the idea of the, I really wanted the symmetry of, of as much Wes ripping off Wes Anderson in terms of symmetry, as much as that as we could pull off. Like I like symmetrical shots a lot. That's a hard thing to pull mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a hard thing to pull off, especially when you have multiple people in a scene, just the choreography of some stuff. Mm-hmm. You just, sure. you just can't do it. And we, and we, our camera moves very little because that's a, that's, you know, when we're on steady cam, we have steady cam a little bit and then we can move the camera. But in terms of big dolly moves, we have like one big dolly move, like in the whole thing, we just can't, we have, we push in mm-hmm. on people a lot, but so basically the idea was that is basically ripping off the Coen brothers. So 
you know, they, they'll shoot on, you know, say a 35 or wider. And, um, for us, the 27, what we learned is, well, we want to shoot clean singles. So for, you know, for however, for whatever people understand, I know you guys have, you know, people who shoot and people don't, but so it's like, so basically they know with over the shoulder. Yeah. 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 So clean single just got us everything we need. So it's like, you, you can just cut around everything. If you've got a clean single, you have someone listening and and then you can do whatever you want. You know, mm-hmm. you have to cut You're you're cutting your audio first. So it's like it, you can do whatever you want with a clean single and, and making sure that people are reacting in, in their clean single to the other people's lines. That's a big thing for me is just, and these guys all did it, but if you get one extra take, I would say if you're getting one extra take, or have time to do an extra take, do a take where just people listen, just say, Hey, just listen to the other person. Like do a take where you just listen. And then you get all that good face stuff. You get all of those beats that you, where you want to mm-hmm. see. And that tells the story, like whatever the other actor's doing, if you've got someone reacting to a line, you can, you get so much more out of that. So that was a big thing, just our clean singles. And what we really learned was because we shot, we storyboarded, we didn't do any storyboards. It was uh, Patrick and the, the AD and like one PA and I would go to each set and uh, each location and we would just block everything on um, iPhones with Artemis. And so what we learned was um, Mm -hmm. the way to frame that stuff in a wide angle lens is you put the camera where the other person is who they're talking to. And that's when it feels right. So the Coen brothers are kind of on wider lenses and you're like, how does this work? And it's such a weird thing because they don't, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work, doesn't work, doesn't work until you put the camera where the other person's face is. And then it's perfect. It's, it's a weird, Hmm. it's a, it's really weird when you figure that out, it can be too wide, you know, like if you're getting up too close, it feels wonky, but that's what, once we learned that it got fast, like we were fast on that. And that's because you just had kind of the unspoken rule of like, Oh, we know where to roughen the camera because of how the blocking is. Set yeah. Up, basically. So just in, you know, we, yeah, we basically, you know, we, we blocked everything on during the director scouts. Um, and then, yeah. So we had a basic plan for everything, you know, for, for every mm-hmm. place, everything we shot. And, and we really lived on that 27, like the, um, we had to get around the 27 a little bit. We couldn't use the 27 when we were in two cameras. Um, you know, we we're just in our, mm-hmm. in our own way. So that definitely has a different look than the rest. Um, when we're on our two camera, which is like, there's sort of a lot of people like fawning over Carl Nargle Owens character. And in the places where people are fawning over him, we're not in that world. Like any, any place where you've got like, say all six or seven people in a scene, we're not at that point we're two cameras. Um, and it does, it does feel a little bit different, but it's, there's no other way to do it. I felt like it worked for me just cause it was like in the studio and it felt kind of like people looking from a distance, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, there's energy to that. And, and it does feel a little bit in terms of having it feeling a little bit less choreographed. It does feel in the moment, like there's a rush of him coming off stage and stuff. So it, I think it matches the mood of it. I think, it, I think to your point, I think it works. Um, I, I do. My favorite shots are the, like the single push-ins on Owen and stuff in sad moments where like everything, the backgrounds are symmetrical or like there's a hair dryer that's symmetrical. I, those are my favorites. Like when you really have a, a beat to sort of set stuff up. Um, it is crazy my- when you have like a true movie star and you just do a freaking 
medium Whoa. close up on them Whoa. and you're just pushing in and you're like, and you saw the stand in and you're like, yeah, this shot's fine. And then you see them and you're Jeez like, oh, Louise. this is a movie, you know? You're like, oh, this <laughs> is crazy. And yeah, so you, you asked me, you asked me, um, uh, Matt, you said earlier, like, when did you know? And I started to say like, you know, being on zoom with Owen, working through the script, whatever else. And it's like talking to him as a person is one thing, but when we had him in the wig for the first time and all the wardrobe and everything and standing next to Patrick, when the first shot of him where he was Carl Nargle, we looked at each other and just said, Holy cow. It was, it was like, this is going to work. And independent of look, it's just a different thing with someone like him. It's a different, his face, his eyes, like it's a whole different thing. It's amazing. Like I know if like, like from, I used to shoot promos at VH1 in my twenties. And um, so I shot so many giant famous people like Meryl Streep, whatever. And it's like, you know, it's just amazing when you work with that level of person and what the what they do is so different than anyone else. It's it's just a very different thing. Um, but yeah, he it was it was remarkable the first shot with him, where you just I, I was just like it's just gonna it's just gonna work. Like I, I it was amazing. You know, we talked a lot about how you got here and like career wise and and the state of movies and it took you thirteen years, you know, till to get to today with paint. What's uh, what's next? Is this like? Your movie's in theaters now. I mean, I know it's only been in theaters for less than a week, but is this, do you, how do you feel like this is affecting your career? Like for the next step? Okay. What's next is when you, when you're, this is an independent film. So what's next is me over mm -hmm. the next couple of weeks, cutting together the uh, deleted scenes for DVD, me on this laptop that were, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm seeing you guys, this 16 inch laptop. So it's me, me cutting together the DVD extras. So I'll do that for a couple of weeks. Um, so it's like, that's the level uh, of, of this film. Like yeah, it's, yeah. there's no, it's like, it's me for me next. It's like, I'm writing, like I have, you know, I have a, a show pitch. That's a, uh, that's a good script and a great pitch. <laughs> um, and then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then two, two features that I'm like pretty much done with, but it's, it's, this has been, it's a weird, it's like, there's so much, even like just for the last couple of weeks, the amount of press that I've done, I haven't turned down any press. So it's, you know, it'd be like 15 or 20 interviews in a day. And that's just oh scrambled God. brain, like it's very, very confused brain, you know? So, um, yeah. so it's a lot of, it's a lot of that. I mean, it's great. It's all, it's all great. The what's next is, um, you know, back it's back pitching. So it's, uh, you know, it's the, it's a couple of features and then, you know, this TV show and for sure wiser about a lot of stuff, which I think is the upside, which is the, you know, when people are like, you know, despite, and you guys know this, it's like, you guys have directed a lot of stuff, but it's like, you know, I called a first time director on all of this. It's like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. I'm a first time, I'm a first time, first time. I am, I am a first time director. Yeah. I've done like two features and, you know, TV shows and pilots. But that's like a, a good, you know, like slam dance. You can only get in there if you're like a first time director at like there's sure. It, sure. There are things. Cause I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, you know, when you release an indie film, you know, and Matt did this last year, you know, we've, we've kind of all been around indie films and obviously this is potentially like one of the biggest indie films of the year, right? Owen Wilson. Like, I mean, there's, I've seen so much press on this film and everyone I know has heard of it. 
half of your work is to get people to see it, right? You want people to buy tickets and order it on VOD and spend money on it, right? But but the inside, like the selfish part, just wants Hollywood mm-hmm. to like call you, right? And be like, hey, yeah, we saw this movie. We got this other thing. A couple more jobs yeah. because of it. Yeah. Here's some scripts we thought you'd be great for. Here's a couple. Wouldn't you like Here's to a share a development? You know, get a, get a pilot. You just, want, you, right, you just you know? want things yeah. to be easier. You, like, you know, like every, I mean, it's all impossible, right? So it's like that person can tell a story is like a nice place to start. You know, it's like mm-hmm. just to have it, it's like, mm-hmm. well, what, you know, like just the, the proof that you can do something, you know, it just because so many people can, but they just haven't. So it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and if you can tell a story in 30 seconds, you, that's harder to tell in a lot of ways than an hour and a half, 30, telling a story in 30 seconds. It's hard. Congrats on the film. It's yeah. awesome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I know it's getting a ton of great press and we really enjoyed talking to you. To us, you're not a oh. first time director. You're uh, a 100th time director. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. And you guys to me are my best friends. So <laughs> Thanks. I'm going over there now. Uh, (laughs) Come on down, man. Um, uh, Do you have uh, just a few more minutes to hang out and endorse with us? Yeah, yeah. Unpaid endorsements. I have two unpaid endorsements, both inspired by this conversation. Orin, you let me know if I've talked about these things before, but we were talking a lot about Vermont and um, I love Vermont teddy bears. I toured. You have not mentioned t- it, but we talked about it yesterday. We talked about yes. it. We talked about it yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I toured their factory when I was in Vermont, <laughs> and it's so charming. And it was like such a cool company. And then we had our daughter, and we were like, "Well, we got to get our Vermont teddy bear," and it's, it's fully endorsed. They're so awesome. They're like, you know, they're just kind of the right proportions and weight, and so, and they're. You know, they're kind of classy. So, like, I think they make a good gift. They're, but they're still practical as a teddy bear. So that's my first endorsement. And then the other one, speaking of the PBS of it all, there's a Decoder Ring episode, which is a podcast that I love that kind of unpacks cultural mysteries. And they do an episode about how Yanni, live at the Acropolis, became a strange culture cultural phenomenon. Because... If you're of a certain age and you remember like the PBS fund drives, Yanni live at the Acropolis was this (laughs) big concert where Yanni's like in the outfit and there's pyrotechnics and everyone's losing it over this kind of like strange new age music. And they would play them on repeat during PBS fund drives. And you're like, you just kind of as a kid, you, you think like, oh, well, somebody must like this and Yanni must be a superstar. Uh, but as the podcast explains, he was not. And it changed the way that music was marketed in this country and the way that PBS fund drives worked. So I don't want to spoil it too much, but I highly recommend the Yanni Live at the Acropolis episode of Dakota Ring if you're curious about the nature of live performance and music marketing in this country now. It's actually a really fascinating and entertaining episode. So those are my two unpaid awesome. endorsements. Yeah, That's really good. It. Anyway, Brett. What do you have? What, what's, uh, what's on your mind? What are the things you're into? Uh, well, the first, I just really want to get back and talk about Zip Fizz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Zip Fizz, it's 30 containers, of various flavors. It's at Costco. It's 104% of your vitamin B12 for the day. Is it medically 
Did you uh, shut your mouth? Legal? You shut it? You shut <laughs> oh, wait, it. wait. It, it's, it's like a tablet or something. No. You know nothing about ZipFizz. I it's, just looked it's up a, ZipFizz sample It's like pack. a vial. It's like a yes. vial, right? Yeah, yeah. And look, for those people who are filming, like for like if you are tired, have that after lunch. Do not eat carbs. Do not eat a heavy lunch. Have a little bit of protein, some salad. Stephen Root only eats, uh, drinks soup. Like any of you, for old people. If you're old, if you're an aged person like me, don't eat a lot at lunch. Take a nap if you can. 15-minute nap. You're going to love it. I always eat the steak because I'm like, I never eat steak. Oh, man. (laughs) And then it kills me. This is what I do. I go to the food truck last. I always get my food last. Mm -hmm. And people are like, man, he's so cool. He's what a nice guy. And it's like, no, I go last. And then I don't talk to anyone. And I'm not rude. But then, and then I take a nap. I take a 15 minute nap mm-hmm. and then I get and up. Where do you my, take this nap? Wherever. There are photos of me on paint where you see my feet poking out of everywhere. Like awesome. it's the creepiest, exactly awesome. the creepiest, like behind like whatever flat or whatever, like there are my feet, like any place. But and I then like you to have, use the, the 10 minutes before, because I like to eat last as well. I'll call yeah. my wife. I'll be yeah. like, that's lunch. Call my wife immediately. Then you go get lunch. No wait. It's perfect. Yep. Yeah, don't fight for it and then yeah. stay away from people so if you're so your brain can relax and then you take a little take a little napper and then you have your zip fizz from Costco <laughs> and then you wake wow. up. It's a <laughs> sugar-free energy drink and it gives you provides up to 4 to 6 hours of focus and energy without the sugar crash of most energy. It's, drinks. it's not unlike a 5 hour energy drink. Have you, you know, done it before, no, Matt? No, oh, you know nothing, me. Matt. Matt, I, you know I, nothing. I apologize. I thought that they were both B12 hits basically. It does have the, caffeine also. It, it has, has like has caffeine too. It has mm. like a couple of cups of caffeine. That's not where that's mm-hmm. not what's taking you this. But look at how much look at your daily dose of uh, B12. It it's says loads of vitamins. On it's 104,000%. That's not a joke. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like your brain. It turns out you're not supposed your, to have B12. <laughs> your your brain. It's amazing what it does for your brain. Like it's crazy. Like it's uh, it's it'll change your life. But is it um, good for you? Or is Come it on. just <laughs> you're trying to make you're trying to survive a shoot like it's great for you. Okay, is what it is. Okay. But <laughs> you, you wouldn't do it like before a soccer game or when you're walking into a movie that you might. I you're did it before this podcast. I did it before this podcast. Why do you think I'm talking over you so much? <laughs> did you really? No. I couldn't. You couldn't handle it. <laughs> and then so, okay, so zip fizz. And then my other one would be look, this doesn't count, but I'm going to say that because uh, this isn't. Um, the paint merch store. Enough. Yeah, yeah. Paint, uh, paintmerchstore.com. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Um, uh, all your paint needs. No, it's it's White Lotus Season 2, which I, which is, I know it's not like it's, uh, everyone knows that. But in terms of an examination of toxic masculinity, that show is insanely good. And the, what Mike White does, if you want to know how to pitch a show or how to build a world, just watch that and look at how each different character has some different if you break down toxic masculinity and what it how it manifests itself in every facet of the world look at that show and he attaches those those character traits to each character has a different you know it's the old misogynist it's the the young girl who can't get ahead in society it's the the too passive the young guy who's too passive it's like it's it's such a good world building and and i think in terms of it's such a good lesson in taking one topic and applying it to a world so it's tax, toxic mm-hmm. masculinity and then every facet of it in characters and it's like 
I think if you look at it from that perspective, you'd be like, oh, that's super easy to do. I don't know. It's genius. Yeah. I think it's no, like, it's, it's just flat out genius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see White Lotus season two and I'm just like, how could one person have written this thing? Like the Italian prostitutes, like the, you know, the older guy, the younger, like the Brit- British guy, like how do you even come up with this, with these characters? They seem so fully formed. Um, then to me, it's like, that's the show you watch to realize like, oh, I'm not good enough to write for TV. <laughs> but, uh, but I think in terms of the, for me, the cheat sheet on that is if you really, if you don't look at it as characters, if you start as like a problem and you're like, what's every side of, what's every side of this issue? Like take any issue and just take every side, you know, it could be like, you know, politics. It could be like, you know, in terms of like the yeah. influence I heard you of said Fox. that this season two was about sex and season one was about money, but is that. That's he, what he said. Well, That's he's wrong. Read. Yeah, he's he's wrong. Um, yeah, he's he's wrong. So, yeah, just to uh, let him know that he's wrong. Look, it's about <laughs> toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah, let him know. Uh, Kathleen, what you got, buddy? I have. Have you guys heard of Otter.ai? O t t e r, like the animal. So it's this pretty awesome thing. I uh, did a few Zoom meetings, and I noticed one of the guests was Otter, Otter.ai, and I was like, "Who is Otter.ai?" And then they were like, oh, it's like this thing we use. Uh, it joins, can join your Zoom meeting, Google Meet, whatever, any meeting. And as soon as the meeting is over, it sends you a transcript of the entire meeting sp- split up by speaker. And if anyone shared a slide or anything, it has those slides in the transcript in the conversation. And it's, it's, it's automatic. By the, it's the same people as ChatGPT, right? It's the same AI source, right? Or no? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming it's, it's AI driven, but it's just otter.ai. Um, and it's, you know how like a lot of times you might want to, if you have a pitch, you want to record the call and then you got to watch mm-hmm. a Zoom and then you pay someone to transcribe. And this is like, it does it all for you. And literally the second the meeting is over, it'll say like, Britt said this, Matt said this, Orange wow. said this, Camilla said this. Um, it's cool. Otter.ai and it totally works. So um, y- You know what that's almost as cool as? Zip fizz listening. Um, <laughs> White lotus. Well, uh, Britt, thanks for coming. I saw you're on Instagram. Yeah, at Britt McAdams. Is that yeah, you? I have I have eight posts. Yeah, where, where should people <laughs> if people want to keep track of what's going on in the world of paint and your world? Where where should what should they do? Uh, yeah, paint paint paintmerchstore.com, uh, zipfizz.com, and uh. Yeah, Britt McAdams, I guess, at Instagram. I mean, it's like, I, I, I'm i not a strong Instagrammer. There are eight posts there, but uh, <laughs> there's some you stories. You have to offset your wife's social media. It's so um, sad. It's so imprint. sad. Imprint. I have uh, I have 60 followers on Twitter, but Pat and Oswald followed me today, which was a real highlight for me. That's okay. but it's, So it's like, that was great. Like, it was, Did uh, he have a blue check, though? Uh, if he did, it means it's not the real Pat Nozzle. Exactly. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Oh, no. I was going to say, if you really want to follow me, it's just I'm at Costco and uh, getting, getting more zip fizz. That's, that's getting, where I am. Uh, yeah. At, at the uh, food sample table. You're, you're um, pushing one of the big, you know, the big carts from Home Depot with the use of lumber. You just take that over to the Costco yeah. for your zip fizz. Buying for longer, zip fizz. longer oh. ducts for your snow machine. Um, <laughs> Well, awesome. Well, if you want to um, tell us anything, if you want us to pass any messages on to Brit, uh, you can email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think of Zip Fizz and any other chemicals <laughs> that you're putting in your body. Uh, you can find us across all social media at Just Shoot It Pod. 
I'm on Instagram at OKaplan. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow across all social media. This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Thanks, Noah. And it's produced by Tyler Small. And you're listening to music by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 